Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. All right, all right. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? I got my, I got, I have my whole setup up here. If you, if you could only see, it's like cold water, hot water, lozenges. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to strengthen my, my throat here today. I've been a little under the weather, um, but I'm super excited. Yeah, you can relate. Oh no, you're just scratching your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, you gotta be careful when you scratch your head. You know. Um, you know thanks, Austin. Appreciate that, man. <clears throat> All right. Well, how many of you are like me? where you just, when you roll over now and you see sunshine, like, in your window, you're just like, yes, yes. I mean, how long, how many of you have lived in the Pacific Northwest? Anybody? We have some folks here. Yeah, you live, yeah, yeah. And then there's a couple of reasons why you're no longer there, right? And, and one of them is you'd like there to be a day every, like, 100 days where there's some sunshine. And so um, I don't know about you, but just super glad to see some sunshine and, and be able to get out. And yesterday, we, um, I took our daughter summer and we went over to the village and um, got some coffee at Mr. Toots and, um, and walked around the village and bought some stuff and just tried to, you know, be a part of like just helping re-engage, you know, local life uh, after these storms. And, um, I hope you know that if you have been impacted by the storms, you can reach out to us and stop by our Connect tent or just get on our website and reach out to the church, and we're here to help you. We have some resources to do that. Um, and then as well, we're connecting people to volunteer teams who are helping in the cleanup efforts. And so if you want to get your hands dirty and get out and help, uh, we, like there are people every day that are out there doing stuff, and we can connect you and I don't know about you, but I have this like primal urge to, to use a chainsaw whenever I can. And so, so, uh, so I'm going to jump out there with my chainsaw, you know, and, and um, you know, have some fun. But we're, uh, we're here for it. This is, this is our community, and we're here to be a part of, um, you know, helping out. So, all right. So have I told you, have I ever told you the story of one of my most dramatic parenting fails Involving my middle son, Micah. Have I ever told you this story? Um, so this is like, like, like confessions of a pastor here. Um, hopefully you're not too surprised uh, at, at stuff like this. But So there was a time, so my, my middle son, all of our kids, two of our kids are in college and one's a senior in high school. And we, uh, but when they were little, they were just little ones and they were in elementary school. And our middle son was going into, um, he was going into middle school. It was his first year in middle school, and it was his first day, right? So, you know, he's like an outgoing guy. People generally, you know, like hanging around him. So he, like, he's the kind of guy that steps into a room and walks away 30 minutes later and has a bunch of friends, right? That's just sort of how he is. So we're not worried about him, like, when he's going to his first day of school. But the day before his first day of middle school, he got stung by a bee on his hand. And, um, and he's allergic to bee stings. Now, not like a, like a run and get the epi, EpiPen, you know, kind of, uh, but he sw- wherever he gets stung, he swells. 
And so his hand swelled up about like three times its normal size, right? And just his hand, right? Like it stopped like right at his hand, right at his wrist, and it's just his hand. And so um, it's first day of school. He's got to go in now to school with like this like this like humongous hand, right? And um, and so I'm I'm there and and I'm thinking to myself, in my wisdom, right? Because like I'm a dad of three kids, you know. I have a ton of wisdom, you guys. And so I was like, in my wisdom, I was like, I'm going to, you know how laughter can sort of ease the tension a little bit sometimes, right? And so uh, like when I do weddings, for example, I always throw in a joke right at the beginning and it just, everybody laughs, even if it's not funny, it's, it's the magic of weddings, you guys. At a wedding, everybody will laugh at your jokes. So I tell a joke, you know, not like a like knock-knock joke, you know, but like I, I, like, I like weave in some humor, and it just settles everybody down, especially the bride and the groom, right? And it just, and from there forward, everybody's just sort of relaxed, and we kind of go about our thing. So um, we're eating breakfast. We're about ready to go. And, um, and I say, in all my wisdom, I say, I say, hey, uh, we, it's time to go. Let's go ahead and load up. Let's get in the car. And um, Micah, you might want to head out right now because it may take you a little longer to get your hand in the door of the car, you know. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, yeah, right? Like, you, like it was a chuckle, right? And, and I'm thinking he's going to be like, oh, whew. yeah, that's, you know, that's funny. And, 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 you know, and off we would go. But the look on his face, oh my, I, I, I wish, so wish that I could, you ever just like words come out of your mouth and you're like, no, you're trying to grab them, but there's no, you can't, you just can't, you can't do it, you can't do it. And I had to forever, I had to try to make that up to him, even now. Like, I'm probably going to, like, after he's, in, he's away at school right now, I'm probably after this service going to go and Venmo him some money and, <laughs> and just say, hey, I was thinking about you today, love you, man. Um, if you don't need this, put it aside for therapy for the whole hand incident later in life. Um, have you ever been in a place where somebody you were counting on, you put your faith in them, and they let you down? Have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been in a place where somebody put their faith in you, and you let them down? You know, if we're, if we're honest here today, we're all human beings. We all have experience in both sides of that, right? We all have experience in putting our faith in someone or something and having it fail us. And then in turn, people putting their faith in us. And I, as much as I hate being let down, it's so much worse letting other people down, right? They look to you. And, uh, but it's just the reality of the life that we live, right? Like, like if, we, if we live a long life, we're going to have lots of opportunity to let people down and to have other people let us down. Faithfulness is something that we're going to explore here today. It's something that God wants us to look at as we continue our series called Brand New Day. And we're looking at what does it look like for God to give us a brand new day as we enter into a new year? And we have one passage in particular, one specific passage that we've been slowly unpacking. I hope if you've been here over the last couple of few weeks, this is week number three. We have one more week, so there's four weeks total. 
Um, I hope that you've enjoyed just sort of taking a slow dive into one particular passage. Um, there are lots and lots of great passages all throughout the Bible, but there's something about marinating in one particular truth of God that makes it uh, especially meaningful. I, I hope you do that. Um, I am, I'm a big fan of reading through the Bible in a year. Uh, I, I think it's a great thing to do, um, but I rarely do it. I, I mean, I rarely end up doing it in a year uh, because I like to marinate. I, I like, I get, I get reading in a passage of the Bible and, and I reject the pressure to try to like keep up pace with a read through the Bible uh, because I want to marinate in this stuff. I want God's truth to sort of get into my fibers, you know, sort of like it just marinating a good piece of, you know, steak or, you know, or portobellos if you're, you know, if you're vegan or whatever it is. But you get the marinade right up in there, right? You get it all up in there. And the flavor is so powerful, so good. And that's what we're trying to do with this particular passage. And our guide for this series called Brand New Day is a, is a passage in Lamentations, if you're new to us here today. And it's a section of the Bible that is sort of counterintuitive to a brand new day. Because the book actually has the word lament in the title. And the guy writing the letter of this section of the Bible, Jeremiah, he's called the weeping prophet. Uh, and it's not like tears of joy. And so, and in this particular case, as he's writing the section that we're reading, he's literally in a cave overlooking the destroyed city of Jerusalem. The nation of Israel has been taken captive by the Babylonians. Uh, Jerusalem has been devastated, the city beautiful, it's been devastated, and here is Jeremiah literally in a cave, in fact it's called Jeremiah's Grotto, and if you ever go over there, did you guys, did you guys see Jeremiah's Grotto when you were just in Israel? No, you, you didn't see it there? So, but you can go and you can see it, and it's called Jeremiah's Grotto, and so he's writing this letter of laments, looking over the destroyed city of Jerusalem, while his own people are in captivity, and he's writing this letter. And so, of course, that's the letter we would go to for hope for a brand new day, right? That makes sense. Um, we're in this letter called Lamentations. And we're in Lamentations chapter 3. And we're walking through just a couple of verses, a few verses in this, in this passage. And here's what they say. You're going to see these up on the screen. In the middle of the darkness of the cave of captivity... Jeremiah writes these words, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. We may be devastated. We may be surrounded. We may be in a bad place, but we're not consumed, he says, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. In fact, this is where we stopped last Sunday. So we talked the first Sunday about God's great love uh, because of the Lord's great love. We're not consumed. And then last Sunday, we talked about, for his compassions never fail, they're new every morning. New mercies is what we talked about last Sunday. Great is your faithfulness is what we're going to tackle today. And next Sunday, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And so today, we're going to talk about this faithfulness of God. Great is his faithfulness. You know, especially in recent days in our community, in our culture, this faithfulness of God is something that 
that we don't have to go very far to, to, to see or to, or to want to grab a hold of, right? You know, when we have storms that come through and we see our friends' neighborhoods, you know, flooded out, and we go and we help them and we see, you know, uh, on the national news, right, we see our little town and, and we see pictures of, of the president and the governor, you know, walking through the village, you know, we're just reminded of how much we need the faithfulness of God, especially in these days. And I don't know about you, but as we head into a new year, I need to be reminded of God's faithfulness. Um, the good news is, is that God's faithfulness is woven all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Bible. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, if you've ever paid attention to it, but if you go all the way to the beginning, start in the beginning, go to the book of Genesis, right, and the, the creation account, the beginning of days, uh, we might describe it as, here's what you see. You see Adam and Eve, right, and, and they make their choice of rebellion against God. They choose their way instead of God's way. And all of a sudden, everything is broken. Everything. Oh, have you ever been in a place where you've done something and it either seems like everything is broken or it just truly is? Like it will never go back. Thankfully for Micah and his big hand, I could sort of like, you know, you know, make that up, right? Like I could, and, and, and in, the, in the totality of what Micah knows of me, thankfully, that's just a little blip on the, on the radar, right? Like it's just, a, it's just a little like, oh, okay, yeah, that wasn't so awesome. Um, but I can, I can sort of balance it out. I can, I, he knows that I love him and, and, um, and I can learn from that. But there are those times in life, right, where we've done something or we're a part of something that there's no going back. It's done. You know, in those times in our lives, you know, it's much like Adam and Eve in this very first experience with God where they, where they broke it. They, they missed the mark. God had an expectation. He put his faith in them that they would stay within his guidelines, and they, they broke it, right? But even in this moment, where all of humanity would be thrown into the darkness. Like, it's not just Adam and Eve, right? It's all of humanity that comes after them. In this moment where it all just, like, literally goes to hell, God steps in, and even in pronouncing judgment, there's a seed of hope. And God begins to communicate, I am faithful. And here's what he says. Remember in Genesis 3, he's pronouncing judgment, and he says to, um, he says to, the, uh, um, he says to, the, to, the, uh, to the snake, to Satan, he says, he says here's what's going to happen. All these, right? He's listing all these things. And then he says, and there will come one who you will, you will bite his heel. And he's talking about the death of Jesus. But he will crush your head. Right? And that's the resurrection of Jesus. And so even in the middle of one of the darkest, maybe the darkest moment of all of humanity, God steps in and he says, I'm faithful. And here's what's going to happen. There will come a day, enemy, where your head will be crushed by my son and he will bring victory over sin and over death and over hell. This is just in the opening pages of the Bible. 
we see a proclamation of God's faithfulness. Now, here's the key. I can proclaim my faithfulness all day long, right? Like, I can make dramatic statements like I'm going to crush the head of the enemy. You know, like, I could do all that. But can I actually sustain it? Like, can my life actually live it out and prove it out, right? And so here now God makes this statement at the start of humanity. I am faithful. I will redeem this situation. I got this. Okay, God. All right. All right. Let's see. Let's see what happens. All throughout what we call the Old Testament, the pre-birth of Jesus section of the Bible, all throughout it, God's prophets would proclaim this faithfulness. There would be images, indirect and direct images, of the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, the one who would come and crush the head of the enemy. All throughout the Old Testament, we see it. All throughout it. One of the most fascinating things you and I could do is do a study and look at where you see Jesus in the Old Testament. You'll be surprised if you've never done it. It'll be encouraging. It'll be shocking. It'll be amazing. You look through and see all the places where the Old Testament Jesus is, is listed there. You want an example? I'll, I'll give you an example. How about the story of um, how about the story of David and Goliath? And you're like, all right, all right, all right. Let's see what happens here. Jesus, where's Jesus in the story of David and Goliath? Right. So David steps up and. He has the enemy in front of him, and he takes the stones and the slingshot, right? And he steps in where nobody else would step in. And he takes his sling, and he, and he slings the rock right at the heart of the enemy, and the enemy falls. Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is the one who comes along and slays the enemy, and then turns around and motions to all of us to join him in battle. And we run in victory, pursuing the enemy. The enemy is not pursuing us. You know, it's possible that the enemy is not pursuing us. We are pursuing the enemy. We operate from victory, not for the victory. We're not trying to win victory over the enemy. Jesus has already done that. So we simply step in behind Jesus, just like Israel stepped in behind David, and we run into victory, and, and we do what God's called us to do, right? Jesus is the greater David. All throughout the Old Testament, you see this. Um, Jeremiah, who wrote this passage that we're reading right here, right? Um, he would step in. And he would say things like, uh, if, you, if you go through Jeremiah, all of the book of Jeremiah, you see, just like what we're seeing now, pictures of, of Jesus. Um, Isaiah is another one that does that. Isaiah. Um, you know what um, Isaiah said? This, this, is, this is what Isaiah says right here. Um, let, let me read this for you, just to, just to give you. It's not going to be up on the screen. But here's what Isaiah says. Check this out. Isaiah is the one who wrote this, just right in the middle, just right in the middle of his letter, he says this. For to us, a child is born. You ever been around uh, church around Christmas time? You'll hear this passage. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Jesus. Right? Every time Jesus is mentioned in the Bible, guess what God is doing? He's saying, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I'm working my plan. I'm faithful. You can trust me. I'm doing this. Does it look dark? I'm faithful. Are the storms coming? I'm faithful. Have you done something ridiculously stupid that you're paying the price for? I'm faithful. Has someone done something to you that you're now paying the price for? I'm faithful. Every time that we see Jesus mentioned, God's faithfulness is being restored. In fact, here's what the psalmist King David says. You'll see this up on the screen. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Right? God is faithful. No matter the place that you're in, God is faithful. No matter what you've done or what's been done to you, God is faithful. Jesus would uh, display this in dramatic fashion in his life and ministry. You know, he would hit the scene, and he's the embodiment of the faithfulness of God. In fact, there's a Hebrew word that, that is faithfulness, and it, sa it's, it says this, emunataka. It's a Hebrew word, emunataka. And it's the faithfulness of God. And it's not a noun. It's not a noun, emunataka. It's not like something that's like just here. It's an active, engaging word, meaning God is in constantly in the faithfulness movement rhythm. Always, God is being faithful. It's the faithfulness of God, amunataka. Now, don't confuse that with hakuna matata. <laughs> I know you're thinking it. It's the hardest thing I've had, I'm, had to do today to not say hakuna matata on accident. Although there's some similarities, right? It means no worries, faithfulness of God. All right. So let's look at Jesus. Let's quickly, let's look at a, a, a story in the life of Jesus um, where he proclaims God's faithfulness all over again. Here we go. Luke chapter 4 says this, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, which is his hometown. It's where he was brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. So he went to church. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, remember Isaiah? Was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now this is where Isaiah is speaking about Jesus some 700 years before Jesus was ever born. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's some of the most powerful, beautiful words in all of the Bible. 
Jesus steps up, and, and, and you see what he's doing? He's reaching now back 700 years to Isaiah, and he's grabbing the faithfulness of God, and he's proclaiming it new and fresh in his day. And he's saying, you remember all the way back to creation where, where God said the Messiah would crush the head of the enemy, and then the prophets foretold it? I'm now standing here proclaiming these words about myself. In fact, here's what he said. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is saying this. Today, today, God's faithfulness is being proclaimed again. I am the one who will come and will do these things. I am the Messiah. God is faithful. The one he promised to send, he has sent. And I'm going to do what was promised that I would do. And every single prophecy of Jesus, hundreds that were foretold about him, he would do every single one of them. And with every promise that he would fulfill, with every prophecy that he would fulfill, he would declare God is faithful. God hasn't forgotten. God is faithful. You can trust that God is faithful. In fact, in standing up in, in Nazareth, here's what he's doing. He's, he's proclaiming that no matter how long, God will finish what he starts. Imagine being the people of Israel hearing these words. For so long, they had been waiting for the Messiah. How many of you are in a place where you have been asking God for something for a long time? I can raise my hand right now. No matter how long, God will finish what he starts. Jesus is saying this, no matter how different it might be than what you expected, God will finish what he started. For the Jewish people, they expected a political Messiah. They expected a Messiah that would lead them into battle and overthrow the Romans and restore the nation of Israel to its political prominence. That's not what Jesus had in mind, did he? Jesus is going to finish what he started in your life. No matter how badly you mess things up, God will finish what he started. So from Genesis to the prophets to Jesus, now let's, let's finish it out and let's go a little farther now in the Bible beyond the resurrection of Jesus. Here's what the Apostle Paul would say. We can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ, until the day Jesus comes back again. God will finish the thing he started. God is faithful. Paul would go on to say it like this then. Here's what we do. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the starter, and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. So here's our big idea of truth today. We can trust in God's faithfulness. This is what the Bible would teach us today. This is the truth of God that our passage in, 
that Jeremiah wrote in Ecclesiastes, this, in, I'm sorry, Lamentations, this is what we can believe, that God is faithful, that he will do it. Now, we see this every day all around us in obvious ways and sometimes not so obvious ways. Here's one way that God has proven faithful to somebody right here in our church. Let's watch this video right now. Toxic history. Um, like a lot of people, there were drugs and alcohol as a part of my past. It's, it's really, uh, I don't know, it's really a difficult place to be because you're just so lost. You're just in so much darkness that you don't really understand that there's something better for you. I was in Oklahoma in the Bible Belt, so it was probably inevitable. I can just see now that God moved me there on purpose. I was working in a little convenience store. A lady used to come to my store, and she was a pastor's wife. And she would bring me these little Avon magazines and um, talk to me about church and talk to me about the Lord. My heart was starting to get really moved towards, towards what she was offering, what she was talking about, but I was afraid. And so it came to me that I would just run and hide when she would come into my store until finally it just was really difficult, really dark that um, I ended up calling her and asking her if I could come and visit her little church. I did, and, but I plotted and planned every time I went. I just knew that I was not gonna respond to the call of God. I, you know, we would be invited up to the altar in Oklahoma, they're very serious about the altar. And so every time before I would go, I would say, I'm not going up to that altar until one day I finally did. I responded. From that moment, I could just feel God start to plan my life and pursue my heart. What that means to me is that I could feel and see that he loved me and that it was a, an unconditional love. And people say that all the time, you know, God's love is unconditional, God is love, but it's really real and it's very tangible and it's very intimate and it's very personal. And so I could see him moving me towards himself. His arms were so open for me and he saw me where I was in very dirty and disorganized and quite chaotic, but he still was really crazy about me. I have been a Christian actually for uh, 23 years. Monday the 16th was my birthday in the Lord. But I spent a lot of the last many years, 23 years, it took me like 12 years to understand that I don't have to do anything. I spent a lot of time striving, trying to earn grace, trying to earn love from him, not recognizing that he just, because he is love, he just has it for us. He doesn't require anything from us. You know, we just get to rest in his tangible love. He's not a taskmaster. He's not someone that requires a checklist of doing this and doing that. But you find that when you fall for him, when you fall in love with him, you want to. You want to be obedient. You want to know more about him. You want to pursue him in his word. You want to sit with him and be present with him. Thank God that that he does sit with sinners, that he does dine with sinners, that he does pursue us in our unrighteousness and brings us to a place of, of better, of a place of love. He's just a dynamic and real and true God. I think about how he pursues us with his word, 
how he speaks to us from his very heart. I'm mad for him. I'm crazy about him. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.